Hello, Lot here. Just wanting you all to know that this episode has been previously recorded and posted. So I hope you enjoy it or re-enjoy it. Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Hey everyone, I'm Guile and I tweet at Door Podcast and tonight I'm joined by Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky. I am at the Chickren on Twitter. And Clotho. Hi, I'm Clotho and you can find me at Clotho Spindle on Twitter. And Kama. Hi, this is Kama, and you can find me at the hyphen real hyphen comma splice on Tumblr. And with and we're also joined by returning guest Amy. Hi, this is Amy. You can find me at Stinking Goose on Twitter. So no mm-hmm. occasional gents tonight, everyone. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I want to give our yeah our standard warnings, our standard trigger warnings for um, rape, violence, and you know tonight incest. So. <laughs> We are covering another in our series of our favorite chapters, and I believe this was actually one of Clotho's picks way back in the day, Mm -hmm. and it is Brand 2 from A Game of Thrones. So as we get into the chapter, we find that it's just after Robert and the Hunt have departed from Winterfell, and Rob is included in the party, but Bran and Jon are left behind with the babies and the girls, which, ew, and um, (laughs) (laughs) Bran... Bran doesn't want to seek seek out John because he feels like John is mad at him, and he doesn't understand he doesn't understand why because John is quote getting to go to the wall with hot Uncle Benjamin, and you know to Bran that's almost as good as going to King's Landing. And we remember why was he mad at was that just a perception or was John actually mad at him? Just kind of upset about leaving, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I think or he was mad at Bran. I think it was yeah, yeah. just. You know, surly. So that's just like just John being moody. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. John. So <laughs> small child just assuming it's all about him. Yeah. It's not, okay. It's moody teenager. Yeah. So we we learn a little bit about how Bran's feeling, and you know he's super psyched about going to King's Landing, and you know he's a little worried because he's heard about all these scary dungeons, but he thinks that since his father is going to be there, it's going to be cool, super legal, super cool, and. <laughs> He knows all of the stories, and he's dreaming about being a member of the King's Guard. Oh, and so does, so he, does he sound like anyone to you guys? Oh, <laughs> I, I just kept thinking of Sansa mm-hmm. and her stories of just how wonderful it's all going to be, and knights and ladies and all the songs. And I thought he reminded me of. James. I thought he sounded like what young Jamie would sound Jamie, like. You know, yeah. like. Yeah. Um, idealistic and yeah, I thought it was interesting that you know the entire royal family traveled to Winterfell, but we learned that only three of the members of the Kingsguard um, Mm -hmm. went. Which is like, what were the other four doing? You know, taking like a vacation? Like, was this their like month of August off type of thing? Well, and that's weird. Like, they also kind of helped guard the family too, but didn't they all? Come al- did they come along? Yeah, did the- they're all there. That would seem yeah. ri- risky to travel all together like that, too, because if something happened to them, you know, somebody could take them all out at once. Right. I mean, Renly like, and Stannis were, you know, yeah. 
in King's Landing. But other than that, so, that's it. So you're saying they should take separate planes? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> that's what <laughs> separate well, it's just like, what were the other guys doing? Yeah, maybe it was just their, like, time off. Who knows? <laughs> they took a bit to leave. <laughs> um, Personal time. Yeah, exactly. But they get it, you know. <laughs> The union regulations did did provide some <laughs> generous time off benefits. So, you know, Bran isn't really impressed with the members of the King's Guard that are at Winterfell, which are Boros Blunt and Marin, and Marin Tramp. And you know, he said he thinks that Rob basically says that Jamie doesn't count as a member of the King's Guard since he killed Ares. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> And Ned has promised him that when they get to King's Landing, they're going to meet the greatest living knight, which is Sir Barristan Selmy. Barristan the Bold. You know, he's got all these nicknames. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's. I was thinking it's kind of like when we know what's going to happen in a few pages. It's sort of like Bran's like make a wish moment, and you're going to get to meet Sir Barristan the Bold. Oh. <laughs> and I, again, I I felt like Bran's adulation of Barristan again feels so much like Jamie to Arthur Dane. You know, it's just there's so yeah. there's so many little parallels between them in this first little bit. Um this is one of the first chapter one of those early chapters where George is writing like a young kid and I don't know about you guys, but I, I really did get that feeling of um him inhabiting that child and like really getting that child's voice spot on. Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 Yeah, the girls were only girls, and even Rob wouldn't know about that. And just the little comments, you yeah. know, through Bran's eyes of how he feels about the world. Yep. Agreed. So they're actually leaving for the South the next day, and so Bran's been told to start making the rounds and saying goodbye to everyone that's going to be left behind, which include people that we really haven't met yet, like Old Nan and Hodor. And he gets as far as the stables, and he has to say goodbye to his pony since he's going to be getting a real horse to ride south. And, you know, he, he doesn't know how to deal with it. He just, he can't deal with the saying goodbye. And he's upset, and he goes into the godswood with his wolf, who he's been unable to name. And he tries to teach him to fetch, to fetch sticks. And the wolf, you know, he knows the wolf is smart enough but to do it, but the wolf is like, yeah, no, not, not going to fetch. Um, so he decides to go climbing. And it's a really big point is made out of his love of of climbing. Um, it's almost kind of contagious because he, you know, he really describes the physicality of it. And, you know, he's just, you know, he loves being up high and we see Winterfell from his eyes in the sky. And it's this jumble of secret tunnels and interconnecting towers and bridges. It sounds so cool. (laughs) Yeah. And it's easy to see, you know, how Bran and Rickon are able to hide out, you know, in the next book, basically, but I wondered if you, you know, I kind of was like, oh, is this a hint, you know, if the castle's under siege in later books? Um, you know, are we getting some hints as to how things are going to happen? And, you know, why it's important that there's all these secret passages and stuff? Or is that uh, just yeah. like a, was that mm-hmm. more of a... Um, well, I could say, I mean, because it's built more, you know, in the show, you know, they didn't quite have the extensive, um, you know, when he mentions it wasn't built on level ground, that there's hills and, yeah. you know, you could be on the first level one part and the fifth level, you know, basically kind walking like across the same floor. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, that could be a good uh, 
Yeah, he goes out of his way to talk a lot about how there's, and he even mentions like you can go through a narrow tunnel and come out on ground level, even though you didn't start that way. And yeah. he even mentions like Maester, he didn't think Maester Lewin even knows about some of these things that he knows. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's there's definitely some ways around or through or into Winterfell that maybe people don't realize, you know, but Bran knows for sure. Well, another aspect of this section where he's talking about watching Winterfell from above and everything, I feel like is probably, you know, foreshadowing of um, when he'll eventually, you know, right. have visions and, and watch yeah. everything like Blood Raven does. Oh, it's, yeah. I mean, uh, there's so much foreshadowing yeah. of, you know, really his yeah. future uh, life, I think. The crows, yeah. Well, and do we, like, do you think Bran will reveal what he knows about Winterfell to to anyone so they can get in and out of there. I don't know. Like, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You'd think, you know, maybe Rickon will know, but yeah. So, yeah, but, oh, go ahead. but Rickon is what? Four. Right. Right. That's and true. I mean, I remember, although kids well, always remember like where you park your car, if you tell them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, as time passes, you know, they don't, they don't remember all the stuff. Right. So but they remember like level C roll D or whatever. Like, yeah. Spot on. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, Bran loves to climb, but basically everyone else hates it, and they're worried about him. And we find out that Cat made him promise not to climb, but it didn't stick. Um, he was he snuck out within two weeks and was um, and was climbing again. And there is this kind of cute passage that I was going to read. It says he confessed his crime the next day in a fit of guilt. Lord Eddard ordered him to the godswood to cleanse himself. Guards were posted to see that Bran remained there alone all night to reflect on his disobedience. <laughs> the next morning, Bran was nowhere to be seen. They finally found him fast asleep in the upper branches of the tallest sentinel in the grove. Man. As angry as, this was, as he was, his father could not help but laugh. You're not my son, he told Bran when they fetched him down. You're a squirrel. So be it. If you must climb, then climb, but try not to let your mother see you. And, um... Oh. That's such a dad moment. They, mm-hmm. Like, my favorite part of this chapter is how they they resort to these other ways to try to stop him. And it reminds me so much, if you guys remember the movie The Truman Show, and how they try to discourage him from leaving oh, town. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's totally yeah, like yeah. that. They have Nan <laughs> telling him stories about bad little boys who climb too high. And then oh, Lewin actually built a clay boy dummy and drops him oh my God. on the wall. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> yep. And the guards chase him around, but that's like Bran's favorite thing because none of them can get up there. So he's just like basically free to F with them. Um, well, and you got to imagine like to be on guard like, oh, crap, the Stark kid's at it again. I am not crawling up that wall. Yeah, after right. Right. Heck, yeah. there's, says, there's three other or two other boys. We're good, you know. We've <laughs> yeah. got some spares. Um, he mentions just, like how even Jory can't get up there. So it's like he's, you know, kind of. They can't really do anything about it. I just love how like connected everybody is in Winterfell. Like you really get that from this chapter, how like when he goes to say goodbye, he mentions, you know, the, the cook and the stable boy and the like random dude from the glass gardens who gives me blackberries and old Nan. And like, they're all just in this together and Kat goes to them to like help, help her with Bran. And it's just like this big connected, like, 
it takes a village kind of thing, you know, um, at Winterfell, and it just makes it so much more heartbreaking <laughs> to know like what's going to happen yeah, to the all... to everybody. You know, it just it really is like a home. It yeah. seems. Well, I kind of like the way too. It kind of shows a through thread of like the different parenting styles of <laughs> Ned and Cat. You know how Ned kind of will lead into what his kids' preferences are. I mean, you know, we'll see this with Arya when he, you know, has her, you know, get some sword fighting training and stuff. You know, he kind of kind of lets them be who they are. And, you know, <laughs> then you have Cat who's just constantly trying to rein them in everywhere. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. You know, it's and it seems like, you know, with two parents, you know, with uh, two parents, it's not a terrible thing to have one. You know, like basically the good cop and bad cop in a way. Yeah. Like, you know, well, yeah, you need a works. balance. You yeah. can't have too much of one or the other, and they, their, their parents tend to go very, you know, very much one way or the other, and it's like, yeah, probably a, a balance is the best thing you could have. And it's, it's kind of funny because, you know, you don't really. It's too bad we don't see like more John Ned interaction at all because he's the kind of the kid that, you know, and Rob isn't. Rob is sort of like a, he's a figure at this point. I mean, even more so than he is later in other later books. Like, we don't really get a, tr- a big sense of his personality that much. And John, we just kind of get a sense of him as the outsider, but we don't really see a lot of his interaction with Ned. But it'd be interesting. You know, it just, it just doesn't seem like John was really encouraged to do anything. <laughs> in a way. Like, fight, yeah. I guess. Learn yeah. how to fight. Yeah. But maybe John was just, you know, kind of... A little, you know, obviously John was born brooding, like he has. <laughs> obviously. Right. So, you know, he might not have been like one expressing what he wanted to do, but rather, you know, kind of whining about what he didn't. So, you know, Bren, he love, you know, he talks about loving like the physicality of climbing and like the feeling uh-huh. and beneath his hands and stuff. But then there's also this part, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier, where he just seems to love, you know, being up in the sky, where he gets to see all the activity below, and he knows all the secrets, and, you know, he's got his little crow friends that he feeds, and, you know, it's such foreshadowing, and, you know, does it make you feel better for what's going to happen to him, or worse nope. for what's going to happen No, <laughs> worse, worse, a thousand times worse. I mean, he likes to climb, but he also has dreams of he's going to be in the Kingsguard, and he's going to, you know, like, he's not going to be this little crippled boy <laughs> in a weirwood tree, you know? Like, it just, it's sad, still. Mm-hmm. Sad. So, but, he, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just, that part, you were talking about the physicality of it. I read this once, like a week ago, and then just like before we got back on here, kind of skimmed through it again, and I didn't even catch it, but there's this whole paragraph where he talks about how he, you know, he loves the way his fingers feel digging in and out how it makes him feel as if he had four hands instead of two. Uh, he talks about how the, it, it feels in his muscles and even how it tastes tastes like the air and it reminds me of when he starts warging mm-hmm. how he's just like he talks about tasting mm. and feeling and the four you know I mean it's I don't know I didn't even catch that until just right a few minutes ago it was yeah, like wow cool. yeah like his senses are already yeah I mean that's what it feels like in a way though it feels like he you know he's already prepped for what's going to happen to him and you know what happens in the next couple pages is sort of a foregone conclusion in a way and obviously you know it is because it's a piece of fiction and someone wrote it so and just, you know 
it's kind of interesting that he, you know, it doesn't sound like his wolf sitting there howling all the time. This very specific over and over warning, and he ignores. Yeah. You know, he doesn't even think twice about it. I thought that was kind of interesting that he didn't even. He's really confident. You know, he's very. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of the other interesting thing is he's very confident in his abilities, and you know, we kind of see that. We see it fall away a little bit, I think, but then, you know, we kind of maybe see it coming back in yeah. a way, too. Like, as he, you know, as mm. his powers get stronger, you know, I think he does things that, you know, Blood Raven doesn't think he should be able to do. And, you know, we, we know he's right, so. So, um, he's climbing around Winterfell, and he suddenly hears two voices in the old first keep, and he's so startled about this that he almost loses his grip, but he's able to hang on, and he listens in as, um, a man and a woman discuss current events, and since these characters are germane to our interests, I thought I would, um, read the little passage. I do not like it, a woman was saying. There was a row of windows beneath him, and the voice was drifting out of the last window on this side. You should be the hand. God's forbid, a man's voice replied lazily. It's not an honor I'd want. There's far too much work involved. Bran hung, listening, suddenly afraid to go on. They might glimpse his feet if he tried to swing by. Don't you see the danger this puts us in, the woman said. Robert loves the man like a brother. Robert can barely stomach his brothers. Not that I blame him. Stannis would be enough to give anyone indigestion. (laughs) (laughs) Don't play the fool. Stannis and Renly are one thing, and Eddard Stark is quite another. Robert will listen to Stark. Damn them both. I should have insisted that he name you, but I was certain Stark would refuse him. We ought to count ourselves fortunate, the man said. The king might as easily have named one of his brothers, or even Littlefinger, gods help us. Give me honorable <laughs> enemies rather than ambitious ones, and I'll sleep more easily at night. Um, so, do these sound in any way, shape, or form like Cersei and Jamie to you? <laughs> The one point where he jokes about it did sound like Jamie when he said maybe um, Ned wants to go down and be warm for once in yes, his life. That, that sounds like Jamie to maybe laugh like out loud. So yeah, a little yeah that part. But they just sound like to me they sound like generic villain villainess and like generic soap opera. villain. It's not yeah. like a soap opera conversation. <laughs> it does know? and they don't. It doesn't even make sense in light of what we've been hearing from like like Catelyn is like you can't refuse this thing right. And I mean, I have to believe that Cersei would understand that Ned can't refuse that thing. So suddenly she thinks he would have. I, you know, I don't get it. Yeah, it it just felt so so generic. And I mean, this this is kind of one of our introduction to these characters. And you know, it's just funny when you think of what they become. And this conversation just seems like the fact that Cersei's not like throwing shit at Jamie, like as he doesn't <laughs> immediately agree with her, seems really odd to me. Like, well, she should have been tossed out. It's so bizarre that she thinks he could be Hand of the King. Like, is that even possible? Yeah, was, like, he's Kingsguard. Like, how does that, that make any damn sense? And and she knows him as her whole life. I mean, she. I know she's kind of, you know, pegs him wrong on a lot of things. But you'd think she'd at least know that that wouldn't be like something he. A super good idea. Yeah. yeah. Or that he. Well, and even pot, to- like I wrote a little note. Like, how do you <laughs> even do that? Does I mean, can you even? I guess the king could dismiss you. From yeah, the Kingsguard, and then I don't know. Make any sense? It doesn't make. Well, any I mean, sense. the real question here is: if she's going to suggest a member of her family to be hand of the king, why wouldn't she suggest Tywin? 
I yeah. don't. Yeah. Like, I mean, right. That I mean, is this, kind of but to me, this Roll is Jamie? just. I don't know. Like, this is just an it. example to me of how you know George had not fully baked this part of the plot yeah. yet. Yeah. He just didn't yeah. go back and edit it appropriately before he turned in the manuscript. <laughs> frankly, that's why it seems. Yeah. Well, like the whole bit where Jamie is the warden of the East. It's one of those other ones. Like, how can he be warden yeah. of the East in the King's Guard? And you know, it's completely <laughs> dropped, and we never really hear about it again. Yeah, he's tried so hard to bury that. <laughs> <laughs> there, what is this warden of the east <laughs> I don't know what you speak <laughs> of nothing to see here um, so you know Bran's a smart kid and he, he realizes that they're talking about his father and the woman is obviously pretty worked up but the man sounds bored um, she continues to wonder you know why in the world Ned agreed and the man suggests that there are a hundred reasons that have nothing to do with screwing them over it could be you know duty honor he wanted to get away from his wife or you know he just wanted to be warm for once in his life <laughs> that was funny <laughs> um, they did you guys oh go ahead oh sorry Jamie says like honor or honorable seems like a lot in a short period of time mm. yeah like, I mean, there's like uh... I don't know I just thought it was interesting. Like I kept, he just kept saying, like, "It's not honor I'd want, or it's honor or honorable." Give me. On. It just seemed like that word kept popping up with him. Yeah. I also want to just bring up one point. Does that tower not sound like the shittiest place to go have sex? Yes, it, it, well, like that they have to bring oh. in the ratters every like there's every spiders, so often. There's rat yeah, nests. Yeah, there's climb broken. Over? Walls. I mean, it just sounds yeah. like a tetanus. Cersei, I mean, Cersei's so pretty. Would you? Could you see her like rugged climbing over like gathered <laughs> like stairs, climbing <laughs> some stairs just to like have sex? I can't see. Her. <laughs> well, and I I didn't realize too. I guess they're in the. Is it the first keep? Yeah. And I for I for some reason in my mind I always thought they were in the the tower like the broken tower and i was always wondering how the hell did they even get up there but i guess they're not he's on his way to the broken tower oh okay and they're, they're in, in the there. first keep okay, but i still think it's the, like in the show they have a more in that tower right, right like yeah. they're like a yeah right. yeah that's true hmm yeah, so it doesn't sound like a great place. Well, you'd think also, go like, there got to be, like, these deep, like, you know, areas where there's almost like a sauna. You know, you think they can find someplace warm because they have those, like, hot springs or something. You know, something. Mm, like, I, 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 I get that they're, like, you know, <laughs> that pharmacies at a premium and all that. But it sounds like it does not sound like, <laughs> honestly... And I mean, forgive they me. probably would have had a better time if they went down in the crypts, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Plus, like, honestly, why don't they just, like, they have no issue having sex when, like, in front of Robert when he's passed out. Like, just wait till they come back. Wait, you know? Or, I mean, in front of Liana's tomb. Yeah, her seems tomb. Like, yeah, exactly. On her as a spite thing. Yeah, like Cersei'd be oh, into God. that. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, so they discuss, they continue to discuss Lisa Aaron and what she knows or doesn't know. And Jamie thinks Lisa can't prove anything, but Cersei thinks it doesn't matter because Robert has no love for her. And he's just looking for an excuse to set her aside, which, um, you know, this comes up a lot in the Game of Thrones too, but seems like highly unrealistic just given, you know, he, Robert obviously can't set Cersei aside as long, you know, unless... Mm -hmm. He's, you know, unless he finds out that none of the kids are his, like, obviously, you know, Tywin and the Lannisters have enough power that, you know, they're, without the incest, there's no, you know, there's no basis to set Cersei aside. Although, 
I also think, why the hell wasn't Robert having her poisoned? You know, everyone else in King's Landing is poisoning people. This would have like, worked <laughs> yeah, out yeah. so well for Robert. Perfect oh, opportunity. Right. Like, I mean, what else would have been better for him to have Cersei die of a natural, seeming slow death? I think it's too much effort for Robert, honestly. Uh-huh. I, I, I mean, he just seems then like... why the hell didn't Renly do it? If he well, was so, I mean, like, hot to have her, him marry Marge, like, Renly could have had Cersei poisoned. And then it would have worked uh, out perfectly. Well, I think that was, I mean, I think they were going down that path. I think it was just a matter of, like, I don't know. None Do of we, these people are, you know, none of these people got their poisoning right. <laughs> like, uh, Tywin uh, should have been poisoning Joffrey. <laughs> like, Renly should have poisoned Cersei. Like, come on, get with it, people. <laughs> More poison. Um, <laughs> so. Okay. So the talking stops and is replaced by sighs and and what I've written in my notes as soft, wet sands. But I believe I mean sounds. (laughs) But maybe sand, because this also feels like the first keep could have been like kind of gritty. And I'm thinking like maybe a sandpaperish sort of noise. Um, (laughs) So Bran is finally able to crawl onto the roof and then he looks into the window and he sees the man and the woman wrestling naked wrestling <laughs> and uh, Jamie's back is to him and Cersei's eyes are closed and you know when Bran finally sees her face he realizes that it's Cersei and he thinks he must have made some noise because Cersei opens her eyes and she screams when she sees Bran looking at them and Bran tries to get away but he slips and he finds himself dangling from the ledge by one hand and the man reaches down and tells Bran to grab his hand he pulls him up to the ledge, and you know this is the this is the iconic moment of this chapter, and, and really, I think you know of of one of the more iconic moments in the entire series. Um, Bran seized his arm and held on tight with all his strength. The man yanked him up to the ledge. "What are you doing?" the woman demanded. The man ignored her. He was very strong. He stood Bran up on the sill. "How old are you, boy?" Seven, Bran said, shaking with relief. His fingers had dug deep gouges in the man's forearm. He let go sheepishly. The man looked over at the woman. The things I do for love, he said with loathing. He gave Bran a shove. Screaming, <clears throat> Bran went backward out the window into the empty air. There was nothing to grab onto. The courtyard rushed up to meet him. Somewhere off in the distance, a wolf was howling. Crows circled the broken tower, waiting for corn. Ugh. Um, oh, it's not any easier. <laughs> no, it's not. So, you know, why do you think, you know, is it just instinct that Jamie pulled him up to the ledge? Yeah, of course, because Jamie's so. not like a natural killer or anything. He doesn't enjoy killing little kids. Of course, he saved him. And then, and then, of course, he thought about it and he was like, oh, no, I would have been better off to let him fall. Yep. So then he pushes it. <laughs> do we ever get a sense of like, do they tell how many floors, how many feet up he is? Does has anybody? Because I mean, I don't know how it's he survived tall. that. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I'm trying to go back and see the know. description of the tower. Yeah. It's sort of like he seems like he's going from you know tree to tower and up and down. I mean, and- yeah, I mean, you could die at like a six foot fall if you fall the wrong way, but you know, it's still crazy. Yeah, it just says it's the yeah. tallest in Winterfell. That's wild. I don't know how anybody could. 
Um, I get. Oh, go ahead. Oh, the first, the very first time, you know, I read this, you know, the things I do for love with loathing, I, because he's such a soap opera villain at first in this chapter, you kind of, I read it as like, he's loathing Bran, but then, you know, you read it later. What is, what's he loathing there? The fact that he has to do this, the fact that he, you know, like with loathing means something totally different. Yeah. He's been put in this position. This is his life is... Yeah, he's not happy about climbing up to horrible broken towers to go have you know sex with his sister sister in the middle of like spider nests and stuff. Yeah, the cold. Yeah, great, great time. That's what your life has become. (laughs) It's you know it's interesting. I think that there's no you know they don't give them any further discussion. They don't give any. I mean, yeah. the narrative here paints it in as bad of a light as possible in terms of, you know, there's no, you know, Cersei doesn't have to plead. There's no, like, what about the children? You know, there's no explanation. Mm-hmm. It's just. Yeah. You and you'll get any afterward freak out or anything. You know, yeah. And I mean, well, yeah. Because, it works better, I mean, to I be fair, book Jamie is smart enough to know, oh, we can't have this. He doesn't need Cersei to tell him that. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, Bran just saw them i mean they're yeah, they're done they're done if this yeah. gets out like they are yeah. done their kids are done like not just them like most of their family probably yeah. would be yeah know, well their children i mean are, i mean yeah I, you know i i know that there are people who you know are in the i can never forgive jamie for this camp and like look i'm not saying that you should forgive him for this but if you can't understand like put yourself in the position that he's in and did he choose this by choosing to bang his sister sure I don't think he chose this scenario. But I mean, they chose, I don't think he yeah. chose to become a child murderer. I don't think Jamie would. I mean, it's clear that he wouldn't choose it because he literally saved the kid first. That was what's Jamie's yeah. first instinct: save kid, you know, yeah. not kill kid. I mean, granted, his second instinct is, oh, I got to kill this kid. And I mean, he's right though. And we even hear Ned himself go, "Well, I don't know what I would have done in the same position." Yeah, like yeah. Ned. Stark himself will have empathy with Jamie's decision here. I mean, like, it's not as though it's it's some um, completely foreign thought. And I think it's a nice thing to tell yourself, well, I would never choose, you know, well, I mean, an innocent life would, over another innocent right, life. Of course you know, you would I wouldn't your do children. that. Like, but who, yeah, you know, in, you, in reality, maybe, pe- maybe there are people who wouldn't. But at the same time, there are a lot of people who probably would. And I think people who look at this as a black and white choice or th- anything are just... You know, not reading subtext slash well, haven't lived long think, enough, quite frankly. I mean, I also think in the context of these books, the fact that this is like the unforgivable act is bizarre to me, given that, you know, Tyrion orders, you know, some singer. I mean, Tyrion, there's a singer who knows Shay, and Tyrion orders him killed and chopped up and put into the food. This is what Tyrion right. does. Right. From a singer that saw, you know, that knew of Shay's existence and clumsily tried to blackmail him. And Tyrion murdered him. And um, is, like, happy about it. Yeah, like, at least like, Jamie yeah. is loathing. Jamie's disgusted and, here. I mean, he you know, says he's. Yeah, he's Sandor, not Sandor straight up kills Micah. And he's, yeah. like, laughing about it. Yeah. There's. A lot of people get a pass. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a I mean, million yeah. characters that. That get I mean, a pass. Like, I, I kind of hate to get into comparing it to yeah. what other people do because 
But I, I mean, this is true. Every there, there are, I shouldn't say everyone. There are very few POV characters who don't have to make morally questionable choices. I mean, I think we all are, are pretty much in the camp of the most pure so far as Brienne. And I think we all know she's probably going to have to compromise mm-hmm. some of her own, you know, moral principles in wins if it ever exists. And I, I just think it's so silly to like say, oh, you know, Ned Stark is a hero and Jamie's a villain when literally at the end of the same book, Ned to save his own kid to save Sansa will commit treason against Stannis who yeah. knows is the rightful King. I mean, what you'll do when it's your own kid on the line, you don't, you don't know what you'll do. You know, you don't, right. you don't know what you'll do to save someone that you love. And I think that that is the point that George is trying to make. And I think it's lost on, you know, a big, a big yeah. Cause it's not just like his kids would have been allowed to live a normal life. Ew, you know, they no, would, no. you know, it's, this is like, like, I mean, the death. best outcome is Marcella yeah. gets shipped off to like the silent sisters, you know, and what a shitty life for, yeah. But I think we know how shitty that Robert is. He probably would have just killed them all in a oh, rage. Yeah, and this yeah. part is so violent. This is not like I think people kind of look at it through modern eyes, you know. Um, well, and know. there's a ton of people who are looking at a show, are not looking at the source material, which is fine, except mm-hmm. then they claim they are. Um, and I think there are people who just they don't read that closely, you know, like. Honestly, like, I didn't read that closely. I didn't read Tyrion's chapters that in-depth until we had to. And now I kind of wish I never had. But, (laughs) right? But, I mean, to be fair, I've read these books several times, and yet that was my reaction. Like, oh, he's a great character, until I'm in there going, oh, my God, what the hell? And I think a lot of people aren't. You know, they just, they get to a certain point, they're racing through. I, I can be somewhat sympathetic. Yeah, I just, I feel like a lot of the issues that people continue to have and a lot of the misinterpretation that people continue to make with Jamie is because they skimmed through a feast for crows waiting for the John, Danny, and Tyrion chapters. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, they'll, you know they didn't actually, and that's like, I mean, yes, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of Jamie character development in A Storm of Swords, but, you know, Feast is the feast yeah, is the well, guts I, of it, you know. Like that's yeah. Well, and another thing I want to say is I'm not saying that Jamie's a good guy. I mean, like I don't think I I don't think Jamie's a great guy. I mean, Jamie does some shitty stuff in these goddamn books. Yeah, and yep. it is shitty. And I mean, like you know, it is shitty. Like there's just no way around it. I guess my only <laughs> counter to that would be, you know, if we want to play this game, we can sit around and point out the shitty stuff that everybody's doing. I mean, I don't know that. I mean, I think I know. Yeah, I mean, I've responded I mean, to threads in my life with here are the nineteen, you know, awesome things that Jamie's done that you're not giving that you are totally well, discounting. Yeah, it's yeah. not. It's not saying what he did isn't shitty. It's just it's hard. You know, the people that say it's unforgivable that yeah. we can't look yeah. at Jamie what, at all. That's so, what I don't understand. That's like, kind of unfathomable. Shitty. It's super shitty. He pushed a seven year old out a window to kill him. It's really shitty, but it's. We can yeah. look look past everyone else's. I don't know. I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. So here's kind of my my semi philosophical question about this is you know there's a big debate in the fandom over whether or not Jamie's on a redemption arc and you know I don't want to necessarily get into all of that but some of the ways that people have defined redemption 
are seem quite bizarre to me in that they seem to think that re- you can only achieve redemption by specifically doing, you know, some great act to the people that you've wronged. So, like, you know, Jamie can only be redeemed if he specifically does something for Bran or for the Starks. So, like, to me, it seems like saying, oh, this guy, you know, this guy committed a crime, but then he saved a baby. And people are like, well, that doesn't matter unless he saved the baby of the person he committed the crime against, which... Uh, I, this feels like an episode of The Good Place now, and I don't <laughs> know if you guys are watching that, but um, probably one of the best shows on TV. But, I mean, I, I, I sucked at philosophy. I don't know. Well, yeah, and, and there are varying philosophies on this. I mean, like, I'm in the camp where I really... I mean, I won't argue that he's on a, like, narratively a redemption arc, but, I, you know, I mean, like, I really don't think he needs redemption. He doesn't need redemption in my eyes. I understand why he did this. I know it didn't come from an, a place of malice, you know? And for me, I guess when I judge characters in A Song of Ice and Fire, right, like, the people that I judge the hardest are the ones who knowingly and for no good reason inflict pain and cruelty on other people yeah like and for me jamie just isn't in that camp um and that's why i'm able to tolerate him i guess and maybe that's moral relativism i don't know i mean but that's kind of where i land on it and like that's for me we kind of had this discussion with the end of the Tyrion chapters it's like okay well what's the difference between jamie and Tyrion? and i'm just like the difference is jamie never wants to hurt people (laughs) Yeah. Like it's never his it's never his first choice it's never his impulse he never does it without thinking you know i mean is he willing to do it sure but i mean is it always in service to something else i mean yeah well and you could if that if that is someone's argument that he has to in order to be redeemed save a stark and in his mind i mean he has sent brienne out to try to find sansa and help sansa and so if people believe that he has to save a stark i mean He's trying, right? Well, and I mean, he definitely saves Edmure, literally from death. So, you know, in terms of, you know, it seems like this this chapter is about Jamie, and it's but it's also about Bran, and you know, kind of his future. And I felt, you know, and I asked earlier about, you know, does this make you feel better or worse for what happens to him? And I think you guys were all very much like, no, it doesn't make me feel better. it kind of does make me feel better in a way because, like, there is this, you know, he's obviously enjoying, he enjoys this, like, view of all the secrets and being, like, this all know you know, being this kind of all-knowing character. And obviously at seven years old, he's way too young to, to understand, like, you know, he doesn't get a choice. He doesn't really get a choice in the matter. But, um, you know, when you reread this, does this make you think that, you know, there's always the theories about this is all, you know, this is Blood Raven working behind the scenes to, like, make this this mm. event happen. And, you know, do you nope. feel like this has been queued up for him? I think that's maybe George would love us to think that. But, no, I think this was all done <laughs> at the time. I, I don't um, think this was done planned. I think it was I think it was Blood Raven. I, I do think it. I mean, <laughs> just the fact that the crows are, like, circling around yeah. and stuff. Um, and the fact that, you know, like, Summer is, is like, upset about him starting to climb, like, you know, right from the very beginning. And he avoids- it kind of gives you a yeah. sense that there is a supernatural force at work. Um, I mean, 
it's pretty horrific anyway that you look at it. And like you're talking about Guile, like it, it makes you feel a little better that, you know, he, he kind of enjoys some of these aspects of like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm going to say voyeurism, but that's really not what it is. It's just, just kind of totally, like spying on it's people. It's totally voyeurism. Yeah, it is voyeurism, <laughs> but I mean, I don't mean it, you know. Well, right. Who knows where brands go? This is so funny because when you talk about morally gray characters, I mean, as much as Bran is a little kid, I mean, he is, to me... um very gray morally <laughs> i mean like yeah the the gray morality of a child where you go uh, the, you know this could go either way i mean it doesn't mean that this is how he's going to turn out but i mean well, like I is think, he care- yeah. capable of very dark things yeah bran himself is capable of very dark things and like and would he have been yeah. capable of that without this i don't know i guess that for me yeah. is the really sad part with with what happens to bran Isn't that, that the mm-hmm. theory with the urine is that he is that oh. you know he was blood raven's kind of first try at this and you know, he oh. did kind of get his eyes open and then, like, was like, oh, I'm going to fuck up everything. And, you know, Bran's kind of the second try or, you know, another mm-hmm. try at this. Huh. And, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't know that. And then, you know, we kind of, you know, I think we're supposed to see Bran's, like, struggle. You know, obviously we're supposed to see his struggle with the dark side. I'd be, I mean, I would be devastated if, you know, we get, if Bran basically turns evil you know like irredeemably evil that would be you know that that would make this chapter way more heartbreaking to me than yeah because yeah. he's on a yeah. path to like the honorable knight you know well, that's who he, you know he knight. wants to be and you know the yeah. ten you know he when he if he eats jojen he doesn't know he's doing that and you know what he's doing <laughs> well for me it's more bad. about you know the warging hodor yeah, is, yeah. yeah. and that's is, more of like uh, he needs to be yep you know, like, I mean, all of the things that we see yeah. with Varamir six skins, you know, we kind of, you know, are the moral struggles that I think Bran is, you know, obviously going to be going through, too. And I mean, you know, clearly Bran himself, if I'm, you know, guessing right, is going to face one of these decisions of, you know, what horrible things can I do in or will I have to do in order to save the world? You know, I mean, that's clearly to me where Bran's story is headed. He's going to probably have to do some pretty unforgivable shit to save everybody. You know, I, I mean, probably that just kind of looks like that's where it's headed. Do you think, and, I mean, is that kind of where you see Bran is like Bran's kind of the catalyst for, for saving the world? I think the public face of saving the world will probably be John and Danny the way that it's working out on the show. I think that the behind the scenes face of saving the world clearly is being set up to be Bran. I mean, it's mm-hmm. no coincidence. The first chapter is Bran's. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I like, think do you, I think Bran's the key. Is Bran the last chapter and Sam's the epilogue? Hmm. That would be well, interesting. I don't know. Well, that would does that mean Sam's going to die? No, I just I think that. of Sam as the um, you know, writing the story in the end. Like I, I think Bran. I've. Or I think Bran the, the last. Like Bran, I don't know. Back up, you know, beyond. Maybe Bran is the epilogue. Yeah. That could be. That's true. But it seems like, yeah. I mean, this seems like the story wraps up through. You know, it wraps up to me through him or or Sam or you know a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. Which is so funny because I mean they've, you know, they've stripped the character of. I mean, I think it's more of a directing thing where they've kind of told the, you know, the actors have such a flat effect, like, you know, Isaac and and Maisie Williams both kind of have that very flat effect. And it's just, you know, obviously. a Yeah, I feel like 
I feel like what they how they're having how they're having Isaac play it on the show is not exactly probably how Bran will end up. I mean, I don't feel like. I don't feel like Bloodraven is completely devoid of all, no. <laughs> you know. No, yeah. and I feel like Bran Human could be like and fucking stuff, hair so. everywhere and like, you know, like <laughs> yeah. basically like super huge punk in the tree, you know. Like, I mean, it's got some issues. <laughs> like Bran, actually, I been, did I? I think I just described Robert Smith, didn't I? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm picturing is Brandon's. Oh my god. As you do that stuff, I can't unsee it. I just want you to know that. It's, <laughs> it's the hair and like the makeup. Like it's totally, yeah. He's, oh my god. I mean, I'm totally cool with that. Like I feel like that would be kind of a fun end. Such a, such a goth name anyway. It totally fits with the god. Yeah. This is it, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, any, any other thoughts on this chapter? Any other rock stars that Bran might turn into? The Freddie Mercury of of the North, oh, God. the Goth of the North. <laughs> I thought it was cool. Like, I guess when you it this chapter the the way it's set up when you hear Jamie and Cersei's conversation about you know Liza and what's going on you it's kind of set up i feel like to make the reader think it has to deal with the murder of John Aaron when really mm. they're kind of paranoid about incest but you don't really realize it's kind of it's i thought it was really yeah, cool no, like it's a cool way to sort of trick the reader well, into what we up, think is going on. It keeps up the way that a Game of Thrones was kind of written with the, with as a murder, as kind of a murder mystery, and then you know the mystery of <laughs> of the you know the assassination. Like it was kind of yeah, it's very much has that murder mystery ask. <laughs> then it's just we all collectively decided that we didn't really care. <laughs> <laughs> eh, you know, someone had a dagger, whatever. <laughs> Meh. Yeah, it's a total MacGuffin. Uh, well, there's there the one thing I tweaked to was like they're talking at some point. Oh, no, never mind. I'm I'm making that up. Ignore me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's been a very long day. Okay, you're drinking. Oh no, it's cider. Oh, it's damn. it's totally non-alcoholic. Okay. It's not even hard cider. It's just <laughs> supermarket chat. Is anybody <sighs> is anybody reading Fire and Blood? Nope. Okay. Uh, well, I know. All right. I know. I'm not either. But there, when he, when Bran goes through the list of knights, they brought up. He brought up something about brother fought sisters, the dance yeah. of dragons. Is it out know. already? The dance. Of, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's out. I didn't yeah. know if anybody knew who some of those people were. That he goes through that list of the twins and the. Yeah, we know. Who they I are. remember. I mean, we know who the, a lot of them are just from the stuff. Yeah. From yeah. the world of Ice and Fire and the yeah. regular series, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Chicky. I, I think it was you who said something about waiting for a Reddit post where all of this would be explained. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where I'm at. You know, I'm like, okay, you know, I'm gonna do that. You know, I, <laughs> I, I don't really want to support him until he comes out with the book. So, you know, I don't really care. But. If someone summarized it on Tumblr or something, I'd be down for that. I'd read it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that seems, you know, the gist of Fire and Blood, sure. I don't really care. I mean, I care about the things that 
might impact the actual series. I don't actually care about, you know, how shitty Targaryen number two was or whatever. Like, Yeah, no, it. I just didn't know if, because I'm, not, I'm yeah. not great at a lot of the history of it, so I didn't know if anybody knew what was going on with I mean, what Bran brings up. The one I really, the only Targa I, I think I'd be interested in is I would like to know a little bit more about Good Queen Alysanne, but that's about it. And like I said, someone will, if, I just have well, to there go was Google. An ex- yeah, I mean, there was actually an excerpt of one of the chapters dealing with her specifically, and that yeah. did have implications for the main series, like how she couldn't get her dragon to go beyond the wall. Hmm. Yeah, among you know, like among other like personal details about uh, her, but um, you know, there was there, definitely a clue a, there. A clue, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And then you know the the little thing about the even star having you know triplet daughters. Hint, hint. Um, <laughs> poor Brienne. <laughs> She's really. In for it. Yeah, I was gonna say I really don't wish that kind of childbirth on anybody. Yeah. I mean, certainly not in the medieval times. I was going to say, yeah, in a world without drugs, fuck no. (laughs) No epidural. I don't think milk of the poppy is quite going to do it. Ah. So, Clotho, do we have any mail? Yes, we have one piece of mail. Um, Hey, you ladies and gents, I've been listening to you for like two years now and just wanted to let you know that I love the work you're doing. Great discussions and lots of humor, which at least for me is what makes your podcast very different in comparison to others I've listened to. I'm also writing because I found the discussion on Littlefinger and his motivation in Sansa 5, A Storm of Swords, you did very interesting. I think we should not underestimate the personal factor here. The guy can be pretty cold-blooded and calculated. Just think about his job as master of the coin and how he got there. Tyrion can't wrap his head around the magic Peter is doing, and Tyrion is a smart guy. He definitely has many spies and many people in his pocket. All positions in their sort of ministry of finance are managed by his people. The Kettleblacks, other characters in the Vale. I think I read somewhere even that the washerwoman Tyrion notes... I forget her name, but there's some compelling evidence she is one of his agents as well. Having said all that, I want to turn to his emotional, personal side, because I think that's where his weakness lies. Think about his childhood. We can argue whether it was love or obsession with Kat, but the fact that he thinks she had sex with him and what happened while he was in the Riverlands has pretty much shaped all of his life. I think he ultimately is trying to live his dream. Kat, parentheses, Sansa, and him together in his weird, sick way, and to make it happened in Winterfell as a sweet cherry on top of it all. Recall that on several occasions, uh, parentheses Cersei's chapters, we find that he was trying to get Sansa to marry him. He yeah. also tells Tyrion that he'll name his reward when he gets back from the Vale. I think he had Sansa in mind. I think his plans change over time. He's good at improvising and using whatever he has planted according to the current situation. Um, only Cat. I think that ma- that's what makes him human and a little tragic because he believes ultimately um, – sorry, he believed duty came first, but she loved him. At the same time, that's his great- greatest weakness. Sansa is a Stark, and he let her in, and as soon as she gets the opportunity, he's going down. She put a little smiley face. <laughs> and, of course, <laughs> I am a Brienne and Jamie shipper, and I hate the show and sometimes just can't help myself, but dream of the day I'll have winds of winter in my hands. You make me feel like a member of a club because we have the above-mentioned points in common. So keep up the good work and make my long journey home. And she explains that she studies in Austria, but but comes from Bulgaria, going home for Christmas a little more short, shorter and more interesting. 
all the best, um, Shub, and that's uh, she explains it's a friend a, a friend named her She Wolf of the Balkans. Oh, nice! <laughs> <laughs> I like that Shub. <laughs> it's cool. That's great. What a nice, that's a nice awesome. message. That was. It was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I think we probably did kind of underestimate Littlefinger a little bit. You know, I obviously. Don't think so. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> just, what you <laughs> so, like, yep, nope. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, he's I, I get, smart I get all this, the other I get this so impulse, far. but I mean, I, the reason that Tyrion can't figure out how it is that 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 Littlefinger was running the treasury and coming up with the money is because he was basically running a Ponzi scheme, and it's all you know, just. A house like built on sand, and the, the bank is coming before clothes. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah. this is my, you know, this is my personal belief. I don't think Littlefinger is any Little kind Finger of genius. Littlefinger totally worked for the Trump organization, I feel like. Oh, like, he just, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I just picture him, you know. <sighs> King's Landing University. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly think, I mean, like, I think that uh, Littlefinger's genius is overblown by himself and fandom. <laughs> why did everyone let him get, you know, you think about it, why did all the characters let him get away with so much? You know, I mean, even kind of... Jamie and Feast is like, oh, maybe Littlefinger will be hand, you know? It's like, <laughs> well, I think there's that. I mean, I, I've seen meta about this, and I know Chicky hates that word, but. Oh no, Ted Cannon Chicky doesn't like, but I mean, <laughs> um, sorry, it's not a head cannon. It's, but I've seen this idea out there that like Littlefinger represents like sort of like in, um, the idea of a medieval society where like you have, or not even medieval, even just last century, last two centuries, aristocratic, you have the upper class who just sits around and makes the money, goes to war, does certain things, but doesn't dirty their hands with commerce. So, and then Littlefinger kind yeah. of represents that upper I mean, middle kind of like- bourgeoisie coming in. He's good with the money. We're not, you know, he's never going to be one of us, but we'll use him to kind of line our coffers and not look too closely at where the money's coming from. And I like the Cromwell in a way. So new money, a little bit. Yeah. Merchant class type. Yeah. Yeah. Like medieval England, which I suppose is what George was drawing from. I don't know. Or what's his face. Who was, um, who was the guy who built Hampton court? Uh, Woolsey. Like he's kind of like the Woolsey maybe. Cardinal Woolsey? Yeah. Because I don't think he had particularly, you know, no, particularly super ar- aristocratic background, but, you know, obviously had some money or, you know, found some money. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that we know for sure, though. I mean, it sounds like Littlefinger is from a just very minor house, but yeah. I think it is probably... I don't know that they're newly noble. They're just very, very minorly noble. I don't, we don't well, know. They come I don't know. Really background know. Because I think his mom or his grandpa, I think maybe they, his grandpa was from Bravos. Yeah, um, maybe that was it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just a theory. I just, I liked yeah. it. I mean, it kind of Yeah, no, sense. I like it too. Yeah, I, it, well, it's clearly true because it's like he's a minor enough noble that he has to worry about, you know, money. I mean, it's kind of the same way as like when, you know, you're talking about like hedge knights and stuff. It's like technically speaking, they kind of belong to the noble class. But in reality, you know, nobody in the noble class thinks that right. they're anything, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Like, you know, Heil would not, I mean, like Heil Hunt probably, I mean, Brienne's a great prize. But like if you think of like pre-war the Heddle girls, like that actually would be like a pretty solid match for Heil. Like, oh, they got an in, you know, they're making some money. Like, he probably 
wouldn't think so. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. I think like realistically, that's probably, you know, what he should have been aspiring to. Well, it's it's like you 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 want to you don't want to be in your you know their date. He's thinking he's. He's out of his league with certain people, but yeah. he doesn't think so. You know, I think that's where that a lot of that comes from, you know. Damn men. Well, and I mean, <laughs> to be fair, I mean, in a society where, you know, you get ahead by doing certain things, I get why you, you know, you're going to try to make the best possible marriage and get the best, you know, possible. Um, Just think poor Heil saves, like save Sam from drowning and he was probably thinking like, oh, maybe I'm going to get rewarded with like the daughter of the Lord and you know, Randall's probably like, you fucker, save Sam. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Did not turn out for him the way he was expecting. No. <laughs> um, is that all of the mail, Clotho? Yes. Alright, well we love getting your messages and you can email us your um, your comments, complaints, etc. to close the door and at gmail.com. Otherwise, you can find us at on Tumblr at close the door and come here. You can tweet us at door podcast or find us on Facebook at close the door and come here as well. You can listen to us on. I've got a cat struggling in my lap. Oh, <laughs> That's awesome. You can listen to us on Podbean, on Google, on Google Play, on Stitcher, iTunes all of your favorite places. And you can also, if you are so inclined, become a Patreon and receive additional benefits like um, episode uh, or early access to episodes and other special episodes. Anything else, anyone? <laughs> all right, well, I am closing the door. Um, get out, unless anyone else is interested in a rendition of 10CC, The Things We Do for Love. Oh my god. She's <laughs> literally been in my head for like five days. Now since. you get out. Yeah, I'm getting out. <laughs> <laughs>